Thanks to Hello Monday from LinkedIn for supporting Industry Focus. Hello Monday is a new podcast from LinkedIn's editorial team about how to get the most from Monday and your career. Find Hello Monday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every single day. Today is Wednesday, March the 6th. I'm your host, Shannon Jones, and I'm joined via Skype by healthcare guru Todd Campbell. Todd, how are you? Good. Hello, Wednesday. Hello, Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, glad to be back on the show again today and to chat about a lot of really interesting stuff. Yeah, it's been a a little while, um, and I'm glad that for today's topic, we're actually diving straight into the major headlines because, Todd, there have been a plethora of mergers and acquisitions over the past couple of weeks. So we're going to be diving into that. And then also, too, at the end, we're also going to make a very bold prediction about the company we think could be the next big buyout target as well. Uh, Todd, let's just set the stage for the mergers that have been happening, because they've really been focused in one particular field in particular, and that's gene therapy. So for our listeners who are maybe new to biotech, new to the space, what exactly is gene therapy? So before we talk about gene therapy, let's talk about what our genes do, because then you'll be able to better understand what gene therapy is. So our genes are pretty special, right? They produce proteins that allow our bodies to work right. Unfortunately, sometimes mutations in our genes tend to mess up the works. They can cause uh, a gene to overproduce or underproduce a protein or stop producing a protein altogether. And when that happens, it results in any one of over 6,000 genetically caused disorders. Okay, so now here's where the gene therapies come in. Gene therapies attempt to restore the normal protein expression by either inactivating, otherwise known as knocking out, Um, or inserting genetic material, such as a functional copy of the DNA that that has the mutation. And typically, Shannon, the way that's done is it's delivered via, that material is delivered via an inactivated viral vector. So a virus that's been deactivated so that it can't cause uh, the person to be sick, right? And that's how the gene therapy companies deliver these targeted fixes to try and correct for these mutant DNA situations. And let's talk about why gene therapy is really hot right now. Um, One reason in particular is just the fact that technology in terms of gene sequencing has just advanced so rapidly. I mean, consider, you know, it was just a few short years ago, the ability and really the cost to sequence human genome was astronomical. You're talking about 13 years literally a billion dollars to do this. Nowadays, researchers can literally sequence the human genome within a workday. And you're talking about maybe a few thousands of dollars. The goal is to get that down to $100. And so you can see with advances in technology, now it's really unlocking really these targets that researchers and drug developers haven't had previously. And now you see this big boom into gene therapy. So a really exciting space. Um, We've seen this, of course, with uh, CAR T therapies, which we've talked about a lot on the show, Todd, and also to a company that we're going to get more into, but Spark Therapeutics as well with Luxterna. Yeah. And, you know, when I was explaining how gene therapies work, it may have sounded to somebody who hasn't paid much attention to the space as, oh, that sounds pretty simple. Let's just, you know, fix this part of DNA, right? But like you alluded to, it's so complex. This is not 
easy science, and it's been a long time coming. That being said, there are a few gene therapies are on the, that are on the market, and that has validated the approach. And as this approach has become validated, more and more big drug developers are starting to get excited and go out and cut deals like the ones we're going to be talking about. And I should also note, too, gene therapy, uh, thankfully, has had a huge push forward thanks to Scott Gottlieb, the FDA commissioner, who just announced that he is stepping away from that post just yesterday. Heartbreaking for sure. I think I posted on Twitter, literally, my reaction was an ugly cry, Todd. There's no other way to put it. <laughs> but he's been so innovative in making sure that these therapies can come to market. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens and who takes the helm there at the FDA. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this isn't the first, nor it will be the last time that, uh, you know, someone who's in charge of the FDA leaves, right? Um, but it is kind of sad in a way, because this has been a transformational time, a revolutionary time, a game-changing time, if you will, in the development of new drugs, including gene therapies. And, you know, Mr. Gottlieb, he's been very, very supportive. You know, they've, they've issued uh, all sorts of guidance to the industry. Um, they've demonstrated an incredible willingness to get these drugs to patients faster and maybe without having to go through all of the standard hurdles that we've seen in the past. It'll be interesting, without a doubt, to see what happens with the next person that does take over that top job. Will they be as favorable to these gene therapy companies as Gottlieb was? And I think that that's probably going to create a little bit of um, a hesitation among investors in the short term for what is a very big long-term opportunity. Yeah, great way to put that. And uh, before we dive into the deals that have happened over the past few weeks, one quick note uh, just for our listeners out there, you're probably hearing a lot of loud noises and some bangs. I promise it's not Todd having a moment or us banging our heads against the wall because of the Scott Gottlieb news. It is literally construction happening under our feet. But wanted to point that out. But Todd, let's talk about the first big deal that literally everyone has been talking about, myself included. And that was new last Monday that Swiss pharma giant Roche, that's ticker symbol R-H-H-B-Y, uh, was really expanding its reach into gene therapy with its acquisition of Spark Therapeutics, ticker symbol O-N-C-E. This was a $4.8 billion deal with Roche acquiring Spark uh, for $114.50 a share, about 122% premium over their closing price right before the deal was announced. Todd, as a shareholder, I am thrilled, but let's talk about Roche. What are they getting for this deal? Congratulations. Um, yeah, it was like Christmas in February, right? Truly. For investors, they get up one morning and wow, I'm up 100 plus percent on this deal. And I think that, you know, one of the things that is probably should be mentioned, Roche is a, I don't want to say they're a serial acquirer, but they are a very big acquirer of businesses, they always have been, and that's helped keep them on the cutting edge. And without a doubt, this deal uh, elevates their game and puts them at the forefront of gene therapies because as we started off our conversation, Spark Therapeutics is one of the only companies so far to have had their platform validated by winning an FDA approval. And that FDA approval was for uh, a blindness drug called Luxturna. Yeah, and Lux Turner, the first U.S.-approved uh, gene therapy drug, commanding a price tag of 
$850,000 for both eyes. But, I mean, you can see the potential here um, with a platform like this. You mentioned the fact that it's been validated. It's not just Luxterna um, that Roche is getting. They also have other therapies. So we're talking about hemophilia A. They've got a candidate called SPK8011, potentially a blockbuster indication. They've also got um, SPK3006 for Pompeii disease, also coming down the pike. So Roche is really getting, as you mentioned, they're a, a huge acquirer, but they're getting not just Luxterna, which is already on the market, but the potential uh, for blockbuster indications here. Yeah, Luxterna is not the reason this deal happened. I mean, it's a relatively small indication that it's targeting. It's it's basically inserting uh, or restoring the genetic ability of a gene called RPE65. And there are only about 1,000 to 2,000 people in the United States who uh, suffer from blindness because of this genetic mutation that it addresses. You mentioned it's a very high-priced drug, but again, relatively small uh, addressable market here, and they actually have outlicensed the EU rights to that drug to Novartis. So Novartis actually will benefit most um, from its sale outside of the U.S. and Roche will benefit from the sales, obviously inside the U.S. Uh, US. I think the real uh, reason behind this deal was for that opportunity in hemophilia A, because hemophilia A is a blockbuster indication, hundred. 50,000 or something like that patients in the U.S. alone. And these patients which are miss who are missing a, a critical clotting factor um, that's, that subjects them to the risk of, of very serious and li potentially life-threatening bleeds, um, you know, the potential to be able to address this with a one-and-done gene therapy is just, is just it could be remarkable. Yeah, especially for Roche, who, of course, you know, they've always been known as one of the biggest uh, in terms of uh, cancer portfolios. But, I mean, there, there are three main drugs. You're talking about Rituxin, Herceptin, Avastin. Competition is heating up there where patent losses will start to build up. And that's a $21 billion per year uh, opportunity right there that they're trying to at least offset with this acquisition. So glad to at least see that they are moving the needle. As you mentioned, Luxterna is really not the crux of the story. I was looking in 2018, full year of sales was only 27 million. And as we were reading headlines last year, I mean, they were off to a relatively sluggish start I think, A, because of that price tag, which was so high. And so the commercial viability was an issue. But also, too, I think um, as prescribers get more and more comfortable with gene therapy, hopefully those sales will take off. But yeah, you're exactly right. The story here was not about Luxterna. Yeah. I, and this phase three trials for hemophilia A should be underway, I think, uh, this year. Um, and, and you mentioned those other indications. So, you know, they're, 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 they're buying it for the pipeline and that potential for the, the multi-billion dollar blockbuster. The, I think what's really interesting to think about the amount of money that has to get spent on, on diseases like hemophilia A just from the regular transfusions and everything. I mean, it's just the, to be able, it would be revolutionary. It would be revolutionary for patients. It would be revolutionary for the marketplace. One thing that you have to you know acknowledge though is that because these are such high priced drugs, a lot of the, as you alluded to, the a lot of the risk to these companies in doing these deals and in, in launching these drugs is going to be, all right, how do I negotiate relationships with my payers, like insurers, so that they're willing to fork over what could be a long, over the long term, save them a lot of money, but up front, be a really hefty price tag. 
And that's going to be very interesting to see how these companies navigate that. Will they do value price deals? Okay, if it works really well in this patient, we'll be willing to pay X. I, I don't know how they'll end up doing that, but that's something that that's, that poses a risk to these companies as they develop these drugs. Yeah, and that's still been a battle that Spark has continued to fight uh, with public payers. I know they did roll out, or at least have been attempting to roll out, a value-based pricing model. But we'll, as you mentioned, we'll have to wait and see what that looks like. Uh, let's turn our attention to the second big deal that uh, took the airwaves by storm, and that was none other than biotech giant Biogen making an announcement that it too was expanding its reach into gene therapy with an all-cash deal to buy a UK-based company called Nightstar Therapeutics. Uh, That is ticker symbol N-I-T-E. Biogen, B-I-I-B. Um, and that was a deal, twenty five fifty a share, just shy of $880 million. Todd, what's Biogen getting in this particular deal? Well, shareholders are only getting a 68% premium, right? Only. <laughs> only. Only. You know, Nice Star Therapeutics uh, shareholders are probably like, oh, come on, I could have owned once and doubled my money. Instead, I only made 68%, right? We won't cry too many tears for Nice Star shareholders. Um, Biogen makes a good splash by buying Nightstar into gene therapy because it nets uh, Biogen a drug or a therapy called NSRREP1. And that is being developed for an inherited eye disorder uh, that I will just abbreviate because I <laughs> cannot pronounce this as CHD. It's a phase three uh, gene therapy. Um, the, the genetic mutation causes a progr- progressive loss of, of vision, uh, eventually winding up in blindness. Um, and there is a you know, pretty significant need for it. Uh, the prevalence across the, the G7 is about 15,000 patients, so not a huge target market. But again, like the deal that we just discussed with Spark Therapeutics, it's probably less about you know, their most advanced drug and much more about having a pipeline that they feel, in this case, it's not quite validated, right? Because there's no FDA-approved drug, but that they feel has a good shot at getting across that FDA or regulatory finish line. And so Biogen here is really getting two mid to late stage assets. Uh, The one that you just mentioned, the NSR REP1 um, being the furthest along. And I think this is really critical for Biogen. Again, this is not going to be like the transformational deal that I think a lot of investors are hoping Biogen would make, especially as they progress forward with their Alzheimer's drug, aducanumab, which is extremely risky. Um, But I do think this is one of those incremental deals that at least helps take some of the pressure off of aducanumab actually performing, which we hope it does. We won't probably get data until next year, but that's been a huge part of what investors have been looking for. I think they may uh, continue to make deals like this moving forward to help offset some of that risk. You make a great point. I mean, they went all in with um, their Alzheimer's trials and, you know, multiple sclerosis space uh, where they historically have generated most of their revenue is coming under, you know, the competitive uh, it's a competitive marketplace, getting more competitive and relatively mature marketplace. So if they're looking for growth, they've got to focus on some of these other types of technology. And this certainly, you know, elevates their game in that, in that, in, into it. And it does it in a relatively um, scientifically easy area because the eyes are a really good target for gene therapies. Um, they're relatively small. Um, they're not, they, they, they don't, there's not a lot of risk of the immune system um, having a negative reaction 
you know, the antibodies to the viral vectors that are used. Um, and obviously, Lex Turner's already shown that, yes, indeed, we can develop gene therapies that work in the eyes. So we'll see how this plays out for them. Uh, I think data in 2020 for the CHD indication. Yeah, 2020. And what's really interesting about this Nightstar deal is if you actually go back to the end of 2018, Biogen actually terminated a partnership deal uh, with a company uh, called Applied Genetic Technologies Corporation, or AGTC, uh, which is very cleverly named there. But they actually terminated a deal. This was a company that was also developing gene therapies for eye disorders, inherited eye disorders. They terminated that partnership only to come back and pick up their rival, which is Nightstar Therapeutics. So I think it's really interesting to see, number one, just how committed Biogen is to gene therapy and especially um, these inherited retinal disorders. But even more importantly, I think you're starting to see exactly how the field will play out. They've had the opportunity to dive deep into the science and the financials of both companies, and they're moving forward with Nightstar. Yeah, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> In this case, maybe it was, it's you, not me. Exactly. But so yeah, we'll see how Nightstar plays out. We'll see how it plays out. But I think all in all, um, a really nice deal here. Uh, Nightstar basically is getting the manufacturing capabilities that Biogen offers. Biogen is leaving to them the technical and the scientific know-how. So I think all in all, uh, a really interesting deal. We'll have to keep our eyes on that. Um, on the other side of the break, we'll be bringing forward a pick that could be the next big biotech buyout. But first, a quick word from our friends at Hello Monday. Over the course of a lifetime, the average person spends more than 115,000 hours at work or about 13 years. So finding a way to make work more rewarding, fulfilling, and enjoyable is pretty much guaranteed to be a good use of your time. Hello Monday is a new podcast from LinkedIn's editorial team about how to get the most from Monday and your career. Each week, host Jesse Hempel sits down with featured guests to investigate the role work plays in our lives and covering lessons you can apply to your own career. So whether you're five hours into your first job or just have 500 left until retirement, you'll be ready to take on Monday and the rest of the work week with the knowledge to make your career work for you. Personally, I've had a chance to check out this podcast, love their guest lineup. Be sure to check out the Seth Meyers episode. Uh, Funny man Seth Meyers from Saturday Night Live and as the late, late night host, I believe it is. But check that out. And of course, you can find Hello Monday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. So, Todd, our our final segment of the show is the opportunity to sell us on a company you've been following for a really long time. I became I've become more and more intrigued with this company as time goes on. But this company is really an interesting way to play the gene therapy space in some ways, maybe a little less risky. Um, but Todd, what can you tell us about this company, Regenx Bio, and that sticker symbol RGNX for our listeners? Yeah, you know, when I was trying to figure out who could be a target of an acquisition, I wanted to see, look for some common threads in the two acquisitions that were just done. And one of the two common threads is that those companies were working on eye, genetic eye disorders. So I wanted to find a gene therapy company that is doing something involving the eyes. And the other thing that I wanted to do is find a gene therapy company that 
I felt wasn't um, didn't have a sky high valuation. I mean, all of these have, I suppose, a relatively sky high valuation, right? Because they're not generating it out much in the way of revenue yet. Um, but Regenex Bios uh, only has a two billion dollar market cap, and you know that arguably isn't too sky high when you start thinking about uh, the amount of money that's being tossed around. Uh, in, in past acquisitions, if you talk about Kite Pharma, or if you talk about Geno Therapeutics, or if you're talking now about Spark. And one of the reasons that I like Regenix Bio is that these companies that are being acquired, they have these validated pipelines. You know, they've, they've demonstrated some success already in being able to get their viral vectors to deliver uh, the payload to where they're the destination safely and effectively. And Regenix Bio is one of those few gene therapy companies that is on the cusp of an FDA approval. And it is on the cusp of an FDA approval because of a relationship that it has um, it, um, um, for a, a drug that is addressing SMA. And SMA is a disease in which genes are unable to produce a protein called SMN. And over time, these patients, they lose, you know, motor function and mobility. And unfortunately, sadly, many of these patients die um, by the time they're two years old or they have to uh, be on a permanent ventilator. Uh, that drug, um, Zolgen, SMA is what it's being called now, um, is actually under FDA review for approval in May. And that drug is owned by Novartis now following an acquisition last year. So really, with this approval coming up in August, I'll be watching it, number one, for Regenex Bio, but also, too, because it's going up against Biogen and Ionis and their uh, SMA drug spin, Raza. And so a lot to like here, especially if they can get across the finish line and really validate their platform with this approval. But, I mean, it's really not just their, their platform. Granted, their platform, I think, could potentially address literally thousands of disease with this AAV vector uh, delivery system. But even more so, they are, they are also developing their own drug pipeline. Is that right, Todd? Yeah, they've got uh, patents on about 100 different uh, viral vectors that they think work better than the other uh, viral vectors that are out there. And, you know, maybe that uh, Novartis drug kind of proves that that they're on the right path with those with those the, their their approach to it. One of the things that investors should know about this company is that it's working on its own eye drug um, for a very, very common uh, cause of of vision loss, wet AMD. And we've probably talked about this on the show before in the past because the two drugs that are used to treat wet AMD right now are Ilia and Lucentis. And combined, I think, Shannon, those two drugs generate about $8 billion a year in sales. Wet AMD is, um, typically affects the elderly, and as a result, the prevalence is um, increasing significantly because of aging baby boomers. And what Regenex Bio wants to do is use gene therapy to remove the necessity of having to get up to 12 injections of your eye in your eye every year from either Ilia or Lucentis, depending on, on the patient, the severity of the disease. If they can develop a gene therapy that's a one and done 
for these for this indication, it could be a massive opportunity. I mean, this is, like I said, it's eight billion dollar plus uh, market. And I think that is the major take-home point, is that potential for wet AMD. I mean, that that's a huge opportunity for them. So when you couple that with the fact that this is still a relatively small and in some cases unknown company, now could be a really awesome time to get in on this company. And they've got a ton of optionality, Todd. I mean, it, it, the sky's the limit, I think, for this company. Granted, it's not to say it's not without its risk. A lot of this technology is still very early on. And I imagine, like any other biotech, they're going to run into hurdles. Um, they're going to have some pitfalls along the way. But all in all, really intriguing company to keep an eye on. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Spinraza's sales last year, it was $1.7 billion, And I think that that was, that was more than double the prior year. So, you know, an approval in May of Novartis's drug, that could produce, I think it's like $80 million in my, worth of milestone payments that Regenix Bio could receive. Plus, it's going to pocket a single-digit to low-double-digit royalty on sales if, again, this drug wins approval. So, you could actually see this company become a revenue-positive company, uh, commercial-stage company, by the second half of 2019, and that gives them, of course, uh, a much longer runway for their for their cash and the ability to work on these other trials, including the one in in Wet AMD. Yeah, so a lot to like and a lot to watch here. And two, gene therapy, I think, is really just still in its early innings. Um, so we'll have to do a follow-up show specifically about gene therapy just to keep all of our listeners up to date. But for now, that's it for this week's industry-focused healthcare show. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Austin Morgan. For Todd Campbell, I'm Shannon Jones. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!